Good morning, saints. Praise God. I want to share something with you. I, um, there was this time that I was at the bus stop waiting for, for the bus, obviously. And um, it was cold and it was icy, so I was at this little spot where I felt safe. So there was this lady, and I was watching her. She, she's coming, and she falls on the ice. So I'm like, oh, I want to help, but I couldn't, you know. So these, she was, she's laid there. And then she tried, and she just tried to get up. Then these men came to help her, but they kind of hesitated. And then she stood there in the ice, and she got up again after, you know, attempting it a few times. And my heart was broken, and then she came. And she, and then I took my scarf off, and I, and I gave it to her, and I said, um, I was so worried about you. Are you okay? She goes, I'm okay. You know what? I just turned back for a moment because I was cold and I wanted to get something warmer at the house and I fell, you know, and God showed me something. That's us lots of times when we turn back, when he's done so much for us, you know, we fall and instead of getting back up, we wallow in there. We stay on the ice where it's cold instead of getting up and embracing the love of God. You know, and God showed me also, as this woman approached, I gave her my scarf. It was a form of covering. You know, you make, you, you, okay, I'm sorry, I'm trembling. I'm so, I'm so in awe of God right now. Um, he shows us that, okay, you fall on your face. Get back up. Don't stay in that mess. You know, don't feel sad for your mess. Get up. Because he's called you to greatness. Church, he's called each and every one of us to greatness. Okay? So, then when I gave her the, cup, the, the the scarf, it was a form of covering. So he gets you up from your mess. He covers you. And then you know what this wow. woman did? I prayed for her, and then she says, you know what? I'm a Christian. She says, thank you so much. No one has ever done that. And God showed me, you know, his love is so beyond this world, guys. We can fall on our faces as, as long as you repent and you acknowledge God is right there. I mean, he's there regardless, but he is not going to invade you if you don't open up, you know. So after she left, I was like, wow, you know, God really ministered. It's something so small, but to me it was big. So I have a verse. I would love to say more, but. <laughs> okay, it's Romans 8 verse 1. For there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And you, and because you belong to him, the power of the living spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Church, we make a mistake, let's get back up. Don't wallow in the mess. Okay? Don't turn back because there's nothing back there. Keep going forward. Get up and go forward because that's the only way to go. Praise God. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you because we are living epistles, Father God, and we can only go forward, Father. We thank you, Father God, that you are involved in every aspect of our lives, Father God, that we can fall, but you get us back up. You can change, and you can break, and you can deliver, and you can set free all in one shot, Father God. And we just thank you for your power, for the authority to change things in our life, Father God. We thank you because there is no one like you, no one like our God. Father God, for changing our lives. We give you the service, Father God. We thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders. Father God, in worship, I pray for the worship team. I pray for the musicians, Father God. I thank you for the anointing, Lord God, in this place, Lord God, for the word that will go forth, the salvation, deliverance, healing, Lord God. Father God, and above all, revival in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap. We already started on a prophetic note, so we're going to follow this prophetic anointing that's here right now. And I want you guys prophetically now, just like she talked about the symbol, what this meant. I want you guys to prophetically come here, prophetically come to the, the altar of God. Prophetically come, come, get closer to the presence, just prophetically like a symbol. Like you're saying, I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. I'm coming. Come on, just show the Lord that you're coming. Come on. We have plenty of room here. Don't get stuck in your seat thinking like, oh, I'm, I don't want that. That's just a bunch of nonsense. No, this is a prophetic symbol. Come, 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 come. Just lift up your hands now that you're here. And just say, Lord, I love you. Lord, we love you. We just want to shout. We just want to praise you. We just want to lift you up, God. Oh, regardless of who and what I've done, God, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to meet with you, Jesus. I'm here to know you, Lord. Show yourself to me, God. Show yourself to me now, God. I've come. I've come to meet with you. Here is my heart. Here is my heart. It's yours. It's yours. Come on, church. Tell them. Here is my heart. Come on, church. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Because 
about Jesus I know some of you are excited already so some of those some of us that are overly excited like you know like some of y'all we're gonna get everyone else who's excited to get overly excited amen come on amen so this is what we're gonna do whatever that song says to do we're gonna do all right so when we sing we're going to sing when we dance, what are we going to do? Oh, good guess. Yes. When we shout, we're going to make some noise in this place, okay? There we go. One. Wait, that. And I sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. Come on. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll Set them free. Save them, God. Whatever you need to do to them, Lord, minister to their broken heart. Some of them may have a broken heart in this place. Some of them may be filled with the power of God. You don't know who you're praying for. Just pray for them. Oh, God, oh, God. You're here, Lord. You're here, God. Yes, you can pray, yes. First-time visitor, yes, even you can pray. Come. You can come boldly before the throne. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, God, God. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare, you're our living hope, your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. 
place with your praise. Come on, fill this place with your praise. Hallelujah. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Come on, reach to the sky and tell the Lord. It's your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. becomes free, 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 and my shame is done, it's your presence, Lord, and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, come flood this place and Loving kindness leads you to repentance. It's his loving kindness. 
that draws you into the river, the river of gladness, the river of grace, the river of healing, the river of salvation is here, is here, is here right now. It's here right now. It's flowing, it's flowing. Take a dip, take a dip of his glory. Take a dip. You're welcome, you're welcome to it. Drink, drink deeply, drink deeply of his love. Drink deeply of his love right now. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you right now. Singing voices. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence. Lord. Holy Spirit, welcome to flood. just close our eyes right now in this place the Holy Spirit is about to speak to us right now we're a church that believes in the gifts the gifts of prophecy of speaking in tongues the gifts of the Holy Spirit of healing and miraculous powers so right now church if you've been baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues right now Come on, church, share a We have time for words from the Holy Spirit. Her Holy Spirit speak to us right now. Holy Spirit speak to He said, God is love. Love is a person. It's not a thing. It's not a verb. It's not anything else. He is a person. And he invites you to come today. Come to his love. It'll wash you white as snow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Come on, lift up your hands and thank him for the free gift. Thank him for the free gift of salvation. You could do nothing to earn it. <laughs> Whoa. He did it. He did it all. You have won the victory. Hallelujah. You 
You have the victory this morning. You have the victory this morning over your circumstances. You have the victory this morning for your healing. You have the victory this morning over your finances. You have the victory this morning over your when you rose again on that third day, God, on that third day, God, we received victory. God, I pray through every situation and circumstance, God, that those in this place would stand firm on your word, God, firm on your word, and that they would hold fast to your promise, God, that we have the victory through you, God, the victory, God, when we face different situations and circumstances, God, when problems and trials arise, God, that we would stare them down in the face and proclaim, proclaim to that object, proclaim to that situation that we will stand firm on the word of God, firm upon the victory that you have already received. God, I pray this morning that we would, we would build up that faith within us, God, that we would hold true to you, God. God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to move through this time, through, through, the, through the word, God, that you would speak to our hearts this morning, God. I pray for, for just great things to come out through the word, God. Lord, I ask, God, that we wouldn't uh, 
just let this time go past us, God, but that we would hold to your sweet presence in this place, God. If you this morning know and believe that you have the victory in Jesus, give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah, Lord, we thank you. Give praise his name. Hallelujah. Right now, I just want to take time to dismiss our king's kids, our children. And if you all would just kindly find your seat in this place. And if you could, please turn with me in your Bibles. Grab your Bibles with me this morning. I want to welcome you this morning, every single one of you, to church. To church. And God is here this morning. His presence is so sweet. My name is Leilani, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to welcome you. God is so good. And right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the gospel with you this morning. How many of you all believe in Jesus? Just let me hear an amen. Jesus is so real, and he's so alive, and his presence is so tangible. If I could have my verse up there. If you all would please turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. I want to share this with you. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, yes. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. During this amazing time of worship, there was a lot of professing victory, professing Jesus as Lord. See, if you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Yes, belief is a very powerful thing. Believing in your heart, knowing it to be true, yes, that makes you saved. But I want to share this verse with you. As I turn here, it's in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 17, and you don't have to go there. There we are. In the same way, this is verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. And so we can be up here this morning and excited, jumping and shouting for joy and believing and professing with our mouth that we believe in God. But if we walk out this place and we do not act upon that, your faith, what happened here is dead. See, this morning we have to make a decision. Yes, to believe and to put our faith in God, but to carry that out, to act upon it. Relationships take work. We had Valentine's Day yesterday, right, everyone? How many got roses? Felt special, you know, roses and chocolates relationships right take effort if it's only one person putting in all the effort god continually pushing and pulling and tugging after your heart but you do nothing so i want to encourage you all this morning have a relationship that goes deep 
with Jesus, one that isn't just about your lip service and telling him what you're going to do, but act upon it. I shared with my youth on Friday, your love for God compels you to do something. It pushes you. It makes you want to do something for God. Your love for God compels you to do something, to act on that faith. Amen? So what I'm going to do, we're going to have uh, our altar workers, two people up here, Pastor Bird and Pastor Griselda. And once we're fellowshipping, you guys can come up for prayer. But right now, I want to pray for us all in this place. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to pray for you this morning. And for those of you who do, be encouraged. Continue, continue going after God. Amen. So let us bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you, God, for your sweet presence. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, that you desire us, that you would desire me. God, I pray that it would be personal for each and every one of us today. God, heaven and hell is real, God. Lord, I pray that we would put our faith in you, our hope in you, and that we would walk out this, our salvation with fear and trembling, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of those in this place who do not know you, and that you would encourage those who already do, God. Fill them up with more of your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, if you all would just stand with me, we are going to uh, recite our confession of faith. And this is what we believe to be true. What we hold is our Christian worldview. And if you all would just say this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, and by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you need prayer, please come and talk to Bernard and Griselda. Greet one another this morning.
church this morning. Come on. It is good to see all of your beautiful faces. We are so excited and thankful that you chose Metro Praise International to come and gather together with us to worship the Lord. If this is your first time here, if you can just raise your hand in the air if you did not receive one of these. We want to welcome all of our first-time visitors. Our ushers will give one of these to you if you did not receive one already. If you could fill out the bottom portion, drop it in the drop box in the back. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. So let's give it up a hand clap for our first-time visitors this morning. Welcome to Metro Praise. Our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. Uh, and we, it's a family service, it's for all ages. And then Elevate, Fridays at 7 p.m., 11 to 18 years old. They're coming out loving Jesus and winning their friends. So those are our two main services. Our vision here is loving God and loving people. Let's say it together, loving God and loving people. And we want to do that with everything inside of us, and we want to teach the world around us to do the same. Our discipleship strategy is threefold, connect, mentor, and send. We say week after week because we believe it works. From the time we started the ch this church, we have been saying our vision, our discipleship strategy, and our goal. And until Jesus comes back, we will be saying it every week because we believe in it so much. And so we want to connect you. If you're new to the church, you've been coming for a while, and you haven't got plugged in, we want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to the church through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. Our schedule of life groups are on the back of your handouts. The ushers have already passed these papers out. We want you to just take a look at all the different kinds that we have, the addresses, the age groups, the times, and find a place to belong. Find a life group that's going to meet your need and plug in, connect to the church, connect to Jesus. And every week we like to give you a snapshot of what's happening. So we have a busy, busy week. Somebody say busy, busy, busy. Come on, we're busy for the Lord, but in a good way because we want to give all of our time and effort into uh, our walk with him, into the body of Christ and fellowshipping. So we want to put God first. So this is all that we have for you guys coming up. Sunday today, we have a lot. We have a worship team. Come on, make some noise. Come on, if you're in these groups, I want you guys to make some noise after every single one that I named. Sunday, worship team, 201 and up, 1230 at the church. Sunday, marriage group, the marriage life group with child care, 5 p.m., Ricky and Rachel's house, uh, Sunday, single mamas with child care, 5 p.m. Meet up with them. If you're a single mom, that is the place you want to be. Wednesday, righteously redeemed, elevate life group, 11 to uh, 18 years old. Meet at the church at 6. Wednesdays, every single week, we have our King's Kids life group, infants to 10 years old. Uh, 6.30, drop them off, pick them up at 8 parents. That's a free night for you. Thursday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group. Come on. Oh, come on, Resistance. You got to do better than that. The Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old. Meet at the church at 6 p.m. Friday, every Friday, two Bible studies for adults, 18 and up. One at the Goveas, one at the Walkers. Both have child care provided. And Saturday, we go out on the streets to preach the gospel. That is our Evangelism Life Group, 5 p.m. Meet at the church. Somebody say, busy, busy, busy. Come on, it is an exciting time. We want to get busy for the Lord, taking care of our families, living for God, connecting to Jesus, connecting to the church, because this is our family right here. We want to fellowship with you. We have leaders that want to pour their life into you. And then we want to mentor you, which brings us to the discipleship. We have a 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders that want to take you through this to meet with you. Uh, on your time schedule when you graduate the 101 you get into the 201 we mentor you to be a leader 
a disciple that makes other disciples. So we equip you to send you out to preach the gospel, to win souls. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that, say amen. If you want to be a part of that, say amen. Come on, it's exciting. And what's even more exciting is that we're going to get ready to hear a lesson on tithes. Somebody say tithing is surviving. Tithing is surviving. Uh, we've learned the past couple weeks that if we tithe to the Lord, that we will be blessed. If we hold back the tithe, that we will be cursed. Today we are still on section one, but lesson seven. You can follow with me on the screen or you can turn to givingbook.org. Lesson seven, the tithe must represent our best. Somebody say, my best. We're going to be reading out of the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verse 8, and then 13 through 14. The tithe, this is the definition of it. It's 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Say faithfully. So here, let's read together the scripture reading. Malachi 1, verse 8, 13 through 14. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering, offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So back then in the Old Testament, what is happening here is the people are being required to give uh, their best to God. And for us, it's our finances. Back then it was sacrificing animals. And so God doesn't want our leftovers. That's the lesson from this that we're going to get. So let's look at these main points here. Number one, for us today. The government doesn't accept our leftovers. Just like in the days of paying tribute to kings, we have to give our first dollars to taxes. The government doesn't let us give whatever we feel like paying whenever we feel like it. Somebody say, well, but rather they take out of our check the first and the best. Okay, so at the end of the year, if the government hadn't been taking out our taxes through every paycheck, Let's say they didn't do that. At the end of the year, if you want to just reach down into your pocket and just throw in your change, do you think that's going to be acceptable to our government if we owe tax dollars if they didn't take it out for us? Somebody say, no, that wouldn't work. And so God is looking at it the same way. If we can give our best and our first to the government because they require and take it out, how much more should we give to God and to his kingdom? Number two, the tithe should come from the best we have. The quality of our tithes and offerings should not be our leftovers, but rather our best. So just like we pay taxes, we should always first give our best tithe back to God. Number three, God curses those who don't give their best. God literally said, cursed is the cheat who can give their best but doesn't. Therefore, our best shouldn't go to rent, car notes, or even groceries, but our best should first go to God. Here is the summary. God doesn't want our leftovers. He desires our best in the form of tithes, and he is worthy because he is our king, and we are furthering his kingdom to come into this earth because that is going to be the everlasting forever kingdom. Here's the application. Number one, make the habit of giving God 10% of your gross income 
before you spend the other 90%. Number two, repent if you have not been tithing and have been giving God your leftovers. So if that has been you, just repent and turn from that. And number three, give God your tithe faithfully. Before we get into our confession, I want to read to you um, just a letter. I'm going to read it verbatim, something that is going to address a lot of questions that you guys have been having concerning tithing off your tax return. So if you have any questions after I read this, because we're going to go straight into the confession, please talk to Pastor Griselda or your life group leaders, and they will gladly, joyfully teach you and explain this to you in further detail if you need it. So concerning tax returns, here is our stance regarding tithing from tax returns. If you have previously tithed off all the gross of your income and received no earned income credit, you do not need to tithe off the return. It is simply monies returning to you that you have already tithed from. Please still consider giving a gift from the return as an offering. If you have either received new earned income credit or have not tithed off of your gross income throughout the year, you then need to tithe off of it, off of your tax return. Also, please consider giving an additional offering to help the church meet its needs. Thank you for your generosity. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. We give God out of a joyful heart. We thank you for partnering with us here at MPI to see Chicago saved, to see those 100,000, and to reach the nations for the gospel. As you know, we're going to the Philippines this summer. We're, uh, this summer we're sending out our, our books, and we're just equipping the nations for the gospel. Amen. And you guys play a very vital part in that. We cannot do it. It's all through relationship. It's us partnering together to see God's kingdom come to this earth. Let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If you're excited to give tithes and offerings this morning, please stand up to your feet with me, and let's get ready to give. Again, we believe here at MPI that a tithe is a 10% given faithfully out of your whole income. We have designated our offerings to go either towards our missions or our building fund. Missions goes to fund all of the projects that we do, all the missions trips and everything that we do around the world to support missionaries. Um, and then our building right now, currently we are in a building project of raising funds and money for the 15-passenger van that you guys have so generously have already given towards. So we're believing God to continue to do awesome, great, and mighty things. Let's recite this uh, verse together. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your generosity, your goodness, Lord. And we, in turn, as your people, want to put you first. We will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and all these things that we need will be added onto us. So I pray for blessing and prosperity and favor over your people on their jobs as they are faithful, God, and generous to give the tithe and offering that belongs to you. You have required it. You have requested it. I pray, oh God, that you would show yourself so great and mighty. That you would pour out a blessing upon us, our families, our businesses. Everything that we put our hands to touch, God, let it be blessed and favored by you because we are honoring you. This principle, this command of the 10%, God, goes so far, so much farther than we could ever imagine. So bless Metro Praise, God, and help us to win the city and the nations for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this morning.
if you're ready for the word, can I hear a woo-woo? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah. I uh, put up a Facebook picture yesterday when I was in the airport at New Orleans. It was 63 degrees. I took a picture of the weather when I came back. It was one degrees. But you know what? There is no place I would rather be than right here. My heart is warmed by the love of God in this place. Are you all feeling it? I would rather be here than in sunny New Orleans. This is where God has called me, and I love it. Now, I want to show uh, the scripture to you in Isaiah. Turn there with me, Isaiah. Um, it's not in here. I'm sorry. It's not in here. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1, chapter 1 of Isaiah. And today is going to be special because I want you guys to hear from the elders of our church. We have three different categories of elders in our church. We have the governing elders, those who are generally going to work full-time jobs and be in the workforce, but yet they want to teach and be involved in leadership. We then have what's called pastoral elders, those who go to Bible college, who then want to make their way into full-time ministry. And then we also have what's called apostolic elders, those who, like my wife and I, who started this church, and we hope to one day have other churches and those kind of elders would be involved in that. Now, if you just take off the adjective of apostolic, pastoral, and governing, you would simply just have elders. Everybody say elders. And then if you go from there, you have deacons. So elders and deacons is how we govern our church. We talk about this in our discipleship classes, and we see the fivefold ministry, apostles, pastors, teachers, uh, evangelists, etc. We see all of those operating in the uh, offices of elders and deacons. Now, today you're going to hear from Pastor Berto and Griselda, who are the elders, who are our campus pastors, and they're using their gift to shepherd and take care of God's flock here. And uh, they're going to speak to you from their heart, which hopefully is the heart of God, that will cover all the different elders' heart. My heart, the governing elders' heart, and the pastoral elders' heart. If you got it, can I hear an amen? Now look at Isaiah chapter 1. I'm doing this whole study on Isaiah right now in seminary. And uh, one of the things that I want us to see is that Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel, but the people of Israel have not heard what God has been saying to them. And at this one point, God says to them some pretty harsh things, and it really broke my heart. And I began to realize, like, like this is God's people, man. Like, he loves them. Why is he being so harsh with them? And then I began to realize it was because they weren't listening to him. They weren't obeying him. It didn't have to get this bad. And, and so for this series for February, and it may go into March because I'm totally feeling this, the heart of God. Last week I preached on God. God's heart for you. Was anybody here and enjoyed it? Amen. I mean, I just broke and just tears are coming down my eyes. And, and I just feel like God loves us so much. And yet at the same time, I feel like there's people who just don't listen to that. They're, they're not hearing what God is trying to say. And so, you know, Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And, and people are like, no, I don't want to bring my burdens to Jesus. And then their life starts to suffer and they just start going through problems and they can't figure out why they can't get out of those problems. And it's like, man, it's because they're not listening to God. And then there's like people when they die, because we believe in a judgment day, and they're going to stand before God on judgment day and say, don't I know you? I mean, you died on the cross for me. I heard about you. Maybe you went to Metro Praise. You say, I heard your gospel every week. That's what Leilani was doing. We, we do it every week after uh, offering before I come up and preach. So you get like two messages. And if you count the offering, you get three messages. How many like it like that, right? Come on. And, and, and it's like you might be there. Uh, somebody might be there on judgment day. Go, I know you. And then the Bible says he'll say to these kind of people, I don't know you because you've only been a worker of iniquity. You've only chosen in your heart to do what you wanted to do. 
So look at this passage in Isaiah. Look at this passage here as our pastors get ready uh, to come and share their heart with you, speaking on behalf of everybody here. I want you to see this. Look at verse 10. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10. Look at what God says. He says, uh, here's Isaiah going, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, go back up to verse 9. Go back up to verse 9. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some, some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. Now, you, you see here that Sodom and Gomorrah was a pretty bad place, and God destroyed it. Does everybody remember that? And one of their, their sins was perversion and homosexuality. But now look at verse 10. Isaiah is saying, this is how God wants me to talk to you, Israel, right now. He wants me to tell you, you are Sodom. You are Gomorrah. Are you guys tracking with this? He says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of God, you people of Gomorrah. And as studying this, he's not talking to the literal people of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're already destroyed. He's now saying, Israel, you guys are just like Sodom. Israel, you are just like Gomorrah. Now look at verse 11. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more, uh, more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, of the fat and of animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, goats. Verse 12, when you come to appear before me, who has asked you to do this, this trampling of my courts? Look at verse 13. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons, your Sabbaths, your convocations, that's like your holy days, your Christmases, your Easter's. I can't bear your worthless assemblies. Now look at verse 14. Oh, my gosh, you get so much harsher. You're like, I thought it was a series about love. It's going to get real good, okay? It's going to get real good. Just hang in here. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. Now, that ain't sweet Barney Jesus talking there. That's not sweet baby Jesus either. Oh, just goo goo gaga. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus. This is conquering King Jesus speaking through this prophet because we believe that Jesus has always been the mediator of the Father's heart. He says here in verse 15, when you spread, or, or they have become a burden to me, I am weary of bearing them. Verse 15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Now you may say, Pastor, my goodness, that is harsh. I thought Jesus would always love me, never leave me nor forsake me. It, it's true, yes, but he's telling them how he feels about their offerings, how he really feels about their worship. God has feelings. Do you know that? God has a heart. You are made in his image. Are you thinking you're the only one that gets upset? God gets upset. Are you the only one that thinks you get hurt? God gets hurt. And that's what he's saying here. And the very fact that he's talking to them shows that he still cares. If he didn't care about them, he would have just left them alone and never told them what he felt about them. But he's saying, hey, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't like your services anymore. I don't like your prayers. I don't like your songs. I don't like it. I don't even listen to it anymore. It's worthless. Now, this is where I was in my studies going, my goodness, how in the world did they get to this place? 
You know where they started? The problem where it all began? Look at verse 10. I've already read it. It was already given to us, and I'll read it again. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord. Because Israel had not been hearing and obeying the word of the Lord for these years and years and years, God got to the point where he's saying this. Now turn with me quickly to Revelation 3.16, and then you're going to hear the happy talk from pastors Bert on Griselda. I'm setting you guys up for a good happy talk. Look at Revelation 3.16. How could Jesus get to this point? Laodicea, some of you already know this church. It's a very powerful passage. Jesus is talking now. This is not even through a prophet. These are his words directly. John is hearing them and recording them in the book of Revelation. Starting in verse 16, he's speaking to a group of people. This is called the city of Laodicea. This is the church that meets in this city. He says, Jesus says, somebody say this is what he said. He said, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now listen to what they're saying. I say, you, you say, I am rich. I have acquired, acquired wealth and don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now you may say to yourself, how does that line up with what Christ says we are in him? You know, the righteousness of God, perfect in him, holy and blameless. It was because they had stopped believing that and started living a duplicit life, and yet they still wanted to say, this is really who I am. And they had forgotten that God called them to live differently. We're not just here playing make-believe Christianity. So the idea is, and Jesus himself said it in another place, John 14, he said, if you love me, obey me, keep my commandments. First John, the one who says God is love, and First John, that beautiful passage is there, God is love. That whole book describes that if you say you know him, you will obey him. If you say you love him, you'll keep his words. If you say you know and love him, but you don't, you're a liar. And so I want to encourage you today as you hear from pastors Berto and Griselda, and let me just explain to you what this means as, as they come. What, what they do in this church, we call them campus pastors, as, the, as their role as pastoral elders, what they're doing is shepherding this campus. And so that means my wife and I wanted to multiply ourselves. So they just did a funeral last week for Cynthia and her family. They do marriage counseling. Those issues that come up in our life groups go through them. If they need my assistance or my wife's assistance, they bring us into it. But they're the first filtering of our church for pastoral care. And so I asked them for today, I said, I want you to share your heart. What are you picking up from the congregation as you're meeting with counseling? What are you hearing from our life group leaders of the needs of this congregation? What is being brought before you in marriage counseling? What are these? And we're not telling your private business, by the way. Okay, let me just pause and say that. They, they come up here and, Bob, we're talking to you now. No, no, I'm just saying, I asked them, like, what is going on here that's in the heart of the people? And now what is my word to you? As they come up, hear the word of the Lord. Hear what God is saying. I just was in New Orleans. Do you know what? One of my friends has already had an adulterous affair with his wife, outside of his wife. And now the woman he was with, she's pregnant. And I went to Bible college with him. He went to the same Bible college I did. 
Another one of the students from SUM has, that I married is all, it's at the Bible college as well because I was thinking about some of these things, has, is divorcing his wife right now and is putting up on his Facebook pictures of his girlfriend and the wife is writing back going, you're still married. I married them and they went to Bible college. You understand? See, this is what God is talking about. So I want to say to you, before things go down there, before things go down in that direction, hear the word of the Lord. Before your heart turns lukewarm, hear the word of the Lord. Before you find yourself pregnant, ladies, and you're trying to go into an abortion clinic, hear the word of the Lord today. Hear what God is saying now, young people, before you drop out of high school, before you join that gang. Hear the word of the Lord today. Because trust me, the word will still come to you if you don't hear it now. But that next word that comes to you will not come in the same way this one is. The word that you're going to hear today is all full of grace and love and just peace because they're going to say, this is what we see. This is how we can work on it. Let's do these things. I'm telling you, today's the day you want to listen to it. Today's the day you want to hear it. You want to avoid the scars of this. You want to avoid, oh, I'm just going to cry right now again. I mean, it's touching my heart. You want to avoid the day when God calls you Sodom. Some people tell me, they're like, well, I'll repent one day. My goodness, I mean, even if you do have the chance to repent, which I don't think my sister did because she died drinking and driving, some people don't even get that chance to repent. But let's just say you did get a chance to repent. Are you telling me you are that hard-hearted towards God that you would willfully live in sin and disobedience just to come back and use his blood like a dirty rag in your garage just to clean your filthy hands on, to go back and sin again? Like you would really be that twisted with God? He hung on the cross for you. He died for you. His commands are to bless you. He is wanting to bless you. Please don't manipulate the system. Don't act like you can get away with this. He knows your heart. Hear it today. Be obedient to it today and watch what God will do for you. He will richly bless you and pour out his grace and mercy upon you. And instead of calling you Sodom, he'll call you what he's called you to be, son or daughter. Amen. Now, I'm just going to ask you to do this because they're my heroes in this church. Would you all just stand to your feet quickly with me and just give a standing ovation and bless the Lord for Pastor Berto and Griselda as they come to preach. Griselda will start it off. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Please be seated. It's so good to be here. It is an honor to stand before you and bring the word of God. So please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 through 20. As we're going through the sermon series, as Pastor Joe was saying, we really want you to capture the heart of God, what God thinks about you, what God desires from each and every one of you. It is a powerful thing to even just get a glimpse in this sermon series of what God has in his heart for you. Here in, in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3, Paul is praying for these believers, he, him and his companions went to Ephesus, went to the city of Ephesus, preached the gospel to these people that he is going to be praying for right now. And they received the gospel. They received the truth. And not only did they receive it, but then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, with evidence of speaking in tongues. So it was a powerful time. It was a powerful journey. And as he preached to these people, he saw them saved. He saw them sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that a powerful thing? 
to be able to go out into the streets and see that happen. And so we see the fruit of what took place in their lives because when these Gentiles, they were pagans. They didn't know God, the God of the Bible. They didn't know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They had other gods before Jesus Christ. They had other gods. And what they did was they turned away from their other gods. They turned away from their idols. See, Ephesus was known for worshiping the God of Artemis and the goddess of Diana. And these people had temples where they would go and they would worship these gods. And women would, would offer their bodies to these gods it, as pro in, in prostitution. And you could see that the word of God came so powerfully to them that they were willing to leave those ways behind. They even took their scrolls, they took their idols, they, they destroyed them because they came and they had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was in their lives. And so now Paul has left the city and he's writing them a letter and he's saying, I'm praying for you. God saved them. God save them. If God can save a people like that who had given their lives over to idols, God can save anybody. Amen? If God can reach out to a people who would do such detestable acts to false gods, God can save anybody. And here Paul is, is praying, and let's read it together because it is a powerful prayer. The entire book is very powerful. If you want to just go ahead and, and read it, it would be very beneficial for you. But he says here, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is a powerful prayer. What is he saying? He's saying, I pray that out of his riches, you may be strengthened in your spirit. You who are already rooted and established in love, that you would have the power what do they need power for? He says that you may grasp the love. Do you ever think about that? What do I need power? I need power to cast out some demons. I need power uh, to handle this situation in my marriage. No, but he's saying I'm praying that the power that you would receive is so you can grasp God's love. A born-again believer who can grasp a hold of God's love, you're already rooted and established in it. But if you can grab a hold of it, and understand how high, how deep, how wide, how long that love is. You cannot be stopped because you know the God that goes with you. You know the God that goes before you, amen? And he's saying, I'm praying that you would be strengthened in your spirit by that love, amen? I think that it's a powerful thing that, that we're going through this sermon series because God, like Pastor Joe was saying, so many times the people don't understand that love that he has for us. And I want you to know at, at Metro Praise that we, that number one, God loves you, and that we, the elders, we love you. And I want to just ask you this quick question, or a, a couple of questions. Do you remember the first time that you came to MPI? Do you remember being greeted at the door and somebody just ready and willing to get your name, get your contact information, sit down and have coffee with you, just hunt you down and love on you? Do you remember that time? How about sitting through powerful serve, a powerful service 
and just experiencing God's love and maybe just tears just coming down your face. I actually have a family member that says, I don't want to go to your church. Every time I go there, I just want to cry. It's because it's the love of God. It's the love of God that doesn't leave their heart alone, amen? And that is the reputation that we have as a church. That is a powerful reputation. When people could say, oh, the answer is, the, our testimony is that people usually say, I feel God's love. I felt the love of people. I felt somebody embraced me and took me in and really cared for me. And I wasn't just another number in a church attendance. We care for you, and God cares for you, and it's a powerful testimony because our vision is what? To love God and to love people. Just like Pastor Joe read in Revelations, the church, uh, you know, Jesus was speaking to the churches, and they all had reputations known for one thing or another. Some churches were encouraged because of their reputation. Some churches were rebuked because of their reputation. And I, we, I praise God that we would have that reputation, that we love God and we love people in the heavens, that we are known for that, that we put God first above all things and we put people first. Amen? And I want to remind you that today on this day, we love you. And we care for you. The same love you felt then, we have for you now. But it's our heart as a leadership is not only to make you feel nice, warm, and fuzzy on the inside, right? Our heart as a leadership is to walk with you in this life. To journey with you through the ups and the downs. To see you fulfill the call that God has for you in this world, amen? We want to see that, and it's that heart that we share this message to you, the elder's heart to you. And I want to tell you it's a great honor to be called your pastor. We don't take that lightly. We don't hand out titles to just anybody. People have to be tested and approved to have this place. And I want to, to let you know that we stand before God responsible for each and every person in this room. It is an honorable thing and it's a huge responsibility to know that we are responsible on the day that Christ Jesus comes for your soul that we cared for you that we encouraged you that we corrected you that we did not have the fear of man when we came to teach you but we had the fear of God knowing that we would stand responsible for you and I want you to know that you are in good hands at MPI because I myself have been on both ends on the receiving end and on the giving end. And I know that there are some hardworking people in this church that care for you, who pray for you, who mourn with you and rejoice with you. Amen? And so I want to just define some terms before we continue and before I share some points that are on my heart. When we speak about God loving you, which God are we speaking of? We're speaking of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? We're speaking of the triune God as we see in Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus himself said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe in the unity of God's message. We believe in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We don't believe in two different gods. God was mean in the Old, Old Testament and nice and kind in the New Testament. No, absolutely not. We believe in one God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. It's the same God. And so we, that's the God that we're talking about. He's the one that loves you. And then what kind of love are we talking about? Because nowadays we just say love all the time. I love coffee. I love shopping. I love my husband. You know, we just say love, love, love. You go on Facebook and you see it everywhere. 
What kind of love are we talking about? Well, the New Testament was written in Greek. You know that, right? And so there are different words in Greek uh, to describe the word love. And the two common ones, the first one is actually called philostorgos. Am I saying it correctly? Everybody say that with me. Philostorgos. That's the philo kind of love. It's the brotherly love. Amen? And the other kind of love that we can experience is the agape kind of love. And that's the love that God has for us. It's the, the love where you would prefer somebody else above yourself. Another way of saying that is the self-sacrificing kind of love that Jesus displayed on that cross when he gave his life for us. It's the love of a father. And it's the love that we have, you know, when mothers and fathers towards your children Husbands and wives, you prefer each other above yourself. And so that's the love that we're talking about, God giving everything for you. And then we, here we see that God is omnibenevolent. One of the most important attributes is that God is all love, and he's infinitely good. Amen? Omni means all, benevolent means good and kind. God is all good. Do you guys believe that? He is all good, and he's, he doesn't need us to be all good. He's good all by himself, all right? He's kind all by himself, loving all by himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are self-sufficient in and of themselves. They didn't need us to share that love, but God chose to share that love with you and I. He chose to share that to, towards all of his creation, and so it's that love that is in us this day, on this day in your leaders, in your covering. It's that love that's in, within, in us. When we look at you, we don't look at your sin. We don't look at your failures, your past mistakes, or even what you can offer. We look at you with the love of God. We pray for you with the love of God. Amen? And so today, when my husband and I bring these two points, myself, I'm going to bring two points, and he's going to bring another two points. It's with that love. And we represent, yes, Pastor Joe and Nancy and all the elders and the leadership here at NPI, because it's with that love of God that we look at you. And when we see people struggle in different areas of, their, of your life, it's not that we get upset. It's that we love you so much. We don't want to see you continue in certain ways, continue in certain uh, bad habits, certain ways that you've been set in. Amen? We desire the best for you because God desires the best for you. We are good shepherds. Amen? There's no hireling around here, all right? What's a hireling? A hireling is a shepherd that's only in, for, in it for himself. He's in it to get paid. He's in it to get the glory. But when danger comes, what happens? He runs away. Let me tell you, you have men and women who are dedicated to being your pastor, to being the voice into your life here. We have good shepherds who are covering you. Amen. The first point that I want to bring to you that I see as disciples we can grow in is faithfulness. Please turn with me in your Bibles to James 1 and 2, verse, chapter 1, verse 2. In your walk with God, your commitment to him and to the body will be tested. But the characteristic of a true Christian is faithfulness. When you give your life to the Lord, it doesn't matter if you just got saved or you've just been living, living for him for a long time. Your faithfulness to God is tested. I know that I've been tested. I know that many, many people here have been tested in their faithfulness to God. But the characteristic of a person who truly loves Jesus is to remain faithful. Faithfulness means to be loyal to him regardless of the circumstances that surround us, whether it's a good day or a bad day. It's not based off of our emotions. It's based off of the truth of who he is and what he did for us. But we don't promise anybody a yellow brick road. 
Jesus himself warned his disciples, and he prepared them for the time when he was leaving. He said, as a matter of fact, when I leave, you will be persecuted the same way that I was persecuted. He prepared them for that time. People will kick you out of their homes. They will, they will throw you out of their cities, and they will try to kill you. He prepared them for what was to come. But he said, you're to remain faithful to the very end because I am with you. And the spirit, my spirit goes with you. And so we are to remain faithful during the good times and during the bad times. And in James 1, 2, let's read it together. Well, I'll read it to you if you're already there. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Amen? I like how verse 4, it says, let perseverance finish its work. You know what I see so many times in the lives of disciples? People face trials. They face storms in their life. And what happens, instead of enduring through the storm and allowing God to show up, and give them a testimony through that trial, believers run away. They run from church, from one church to another. And if not that, they just run away from God completely. They forget about their faithfulness to God. They forget about the loyalty because their faith began to cost them something. But we are to consider it pure joy when we face these trials of many kinds because they produce in us perseverance, and perseverance brings about maturity. But when you continue running away, maturity never comes. You continue going around in a circle, in the wilderness, wandering around aimlessly because what's going to happen? You're going to come back right to that very same point, that very same place where you were when you ran away the first time. And so I want to encourage you to be faithful to God regardless of your circumstance, and allow maturity to come. Grow up in your faith, amen? Here, when James is speaking to these brothers and sisters, and he's talking about facing trials of many kinds, what kind of trials do you think he was talking about? The car broke down? No. They didn't have enough money for grocery. They didn't have shoes for school. No. What was he talking about? He said these trials, they were being persecuted. They were being martyred for their faith. They were being burnt alive for the gospel. He's saying, but consider it pure joy because you're going to grow. You're going to persevere. Amen? And so today, if that's you, if you're in a place where you're, you're wavering and you don't know if you're going to remain faithful to God because it's not getting easy, I want to tell you to remain, to persevere and endure through the storm because maturity will come. If you're saying, well, this is what I've always done. When things get hard, I just run away. That's what my family does. That's what I do. We just, we just can't handle it. Well, let me tell you, if you're a born-again believer in this place, you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And Galatians 5.22, if you can turn there with me, tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is inside of us. That there's love, joy, Peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit, I'll read it one more time, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You might say, well, I have love and I have peace, but I don't have goodness, you know? I have love, I have joy, and I have gentleness. 
but I don't have patience. That's a lie. That is a lie. If God, the fruit of the Spirit, if you have one, you have all of them. Amen? The fruit of this is what the, what the Lord produces in your life. It is evident. When it says the fruit of the Spirit, it means something that comes forth, something that is evident in your life. And so you need to stand upon this truth. If you're so used to quitting all the time, you need to say, that's not me anymore. I am now a faithful person, amen? And I'm going to endure to my call to God. I'm going to be faithful to him as he has been faithful to me, amen? So that's being faithful to God, enduring through trials and not running away, allowing maturity to come. And another thing that I want to um, address is your faithfulness to your call and your faithfulness to the church that God has called you to. Many times we have too many people who walk around like Jonah's wanting to tell God how and when they're going to serve him. All right, we cannot do that. It doesn't work that way. We have to remain faithful to where God has called us to and be obedient to that call. Please turn with me to Proverbs 20, 26. 20, 26 says, I'll wait for you to get there. It says, many claim to have unfailing love but a faithful person who can find. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Many times we come to God and we say, God, I love you. Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you for, for setting me free. I want to do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to be faithful to you. But then when God comes and he wants to entrust you with something, where are you? When God wants to give you responsibility and you don't, you're not around, you don't want to receive it anymore because it's too much. Maybe it's going to cost you something. God wants to be able to look for a person who will endure to the very end. God was looking for people. The Bible says that his eyes range throughout the earth looking for hearts that are truly committed to him. But if you can't be faithful, if you can't be reliable, why is he going to give you something? If you can't be faithful with little, how will you ever be faithful with much? Can God entrust you with a ministry? Can God entrust you with your neighborhood? Can he entrust you with, commu with your community, with a city, or how about even a nation? He's looking for a people that will take his heart and bring it to others all around them. Amen. And then Proverbs 25, 19 says, like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in time of trouble. I'm going to say that one more time. In Proverbs 25, 19, he says, like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. If you ever think about having a pain in your tooth, it's the worst feeling it just, you just shut down, right? You just want to lie down. And it's extremely painful. And it's the same thing when you want to rely on a person who is unfaithful. You bring more harm than good. Because when times of trouble, if someone wants to rely on you, you're nowhere to be found. Like a lame foot. What happens when you have a lame foot? What happens when you have pain? You can't move as fast as you want to. You can't run. You can't work as much as you want to. And you can't put the pressure on it as much as you'd like to. It's the same person with a per it's the same thing with a person who is unre unreliable. Let me tell you one thing. If you can't be faithful with the things here at Metro Praise, if you can't be faithful with 201, how will God ever entrust you with anything else? If you can't be faithful to coming to church on time, leading your family into times of devotion, 
You can't be faithful there. How will God ever entrust you with anything else in the ministry? You won't be trusted with true riches, the true, true riches of heaven. And the second thing that I would want to talk to you about this morning is integrity. To live a life that is honest and above reproach. So you may be a person of integrity in every area of your life. I had to learn this lesson the hard way. All right, there was a time in my life and time in my walk with God where I lacked integrity. And not only did I fall into sin, but then I tried to hide my sin, which makes it even worse. And I was given this quote through a message that my pastor gave me. And it's never left me, and, and it just remains in my heart. And it says, if you have integrity, that's all you have. If you don't have integrity, that's all you have. Let that settle in for a little bit. A lot of times we see people who will compromise in their walk with God, will cut corners here and there, will lie on the job, will lie to their spouses. Oh, it's just a little text. Oh, it's just a little, you know, it's lack of integrity. If you can't be a person of your word, you have nothing. If you're a person of your word, if you're a person of good character, you have everything. Because people can look to you. They can look up to you. They can trust you. And we are to have integrity before God. The Bible says in Proverbs 10.9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. A person who's upright, who walks upright, they don't have to look behind their back. They don't have to cover their tracks. They walk securely. But a person who takes crooked paths will be found out. I want to tell you this morning that if you are compromising in sin, that everything that is done in darkness will come to light. Because the God of the universe pierces through your heart and he sees the depths of it. And he wants you to get rid of it. Amen? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's a little, a little yeast that goes through the whole batch. You might be saying, oh, nobody knows. It doesn't hurt anybody. But God sees it. Amen? And it begins to take over your life. Sin is pleasurable only for a moment, but it leads to destruction. I want to tell you the time when I was in, save, when I was in sin, it was the most miserable time in my walk with God. And I like the quote by Reinhard Bonnke. He says, a Christian believer in sin is the most miserable person in the world because he has too much of God to enjoy sin and too much of sin to enjoy God. You can't be right with God and living a life of sin. God wants you and I to get rid of it. Amen? It is destructive. It not only destroys your walk with God, but the people who are following you. Okay, fathers? Okay, mothers? When you're living in sin, your children are watching you. So you are to live a life of integrity before all people. Number one, before God. We want his approval. The Bible tells us that we are to tie love and faithfulness around our neck. Write it on the tablet of our heart because we're going to win the favor of God and man. And so I think like this. If we just focus on pleasing God, focus on being right before God, everybody else is going to be taken care of, all right? Everybody else, you, you get the favor of God, and then the favor of man follows, amen? So be upright before God. Try to please God first. Aim to please him and be right before him and not before people because that will come, amen? And so be a person of integrity before the Lord and be a person of integrity before all people. The, uh, please turn with me to 1 Peter 2.12. 1 Peter 2.12 tells us to live such good lives among the pagans. 
that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. And I want to tell you this morning to live such good lives among all people, not just among the pagans, all people, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, the community, the people that you see in the grocery store, live good lives before them because they're seeing your life. And the day that they want to come to Christ, they're going to emulate, they're going to imitate your faith and the way that you live. Amen? This is a serious thing. And so this is our, my heart for you this morning, that you would be faithful to the call that God has upon your life, that you would not waver, that you would not allow anyone to take it from you, Because on the day that Christ Jesus returns, that you would stand honorably before him and know that you did what he asked you to do and not try to run away and hide. Like the Bible tells us in Revelations, there will be people who would say that they want to hide, they want the rocks to fall on them because they can't stand that Christ is coming. They weren't ready, they weren't right before the king. But I want you to to know to live a life such a good way that when the king comes, you are able to bow your knee you are able to look before at the king and say, I did everything you asked me to do. I was faithful with the call upon my life, and I lived a life of integrity, Jesus. Now come and take me home. Amen? And then now I want to pass the microphone over to my husband, and he wants to share with you two points. Amen. All right, everybody say, everybody say I will be faithful. And say, I will be of integrity. Amen. And uh, before I share my uh, next two points here, I would like us to turn to uh, 1 Peter 5. And I'm going to start in verse 1. Um, I believe this passage here will, um, will, will share the hearts of the elders, you know, for you guys. It reads, uh, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flocks. That is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over to those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. Amen? Amen. Right here, it shares our hearts as elders for you guys. We are here to care for you. We are here to watch over you. We're not here to lord over you. When we get into your life, it's not because we want to be nosy and you know, we want to start gossiping, and that's a sin to start out with. We, we, when we get into your life, it's because we're going to be held accountable for you guys. Amen. And we want to thank you for trusting this leadership here in the church to be part of your life. And, you know, and it's, a, it's a great joy to be able to serve um, all of you. Um, like I said, we're going to be held accountable one day. If, if all the elders and pastors that are pressed can please stand. These are the people that you can go to whenever you're in need. These are the people that care and love for you, will go the extra mile. You know, that will, I'm like, they, I'm like I rem- if you guys can please sit down. Thank you for standing. I remember when I first came to this church, Ishmael, Pastor Joe, Ricky, that's doing security in the back, sat down with me over there. And I just saw the love of God in them, and they shared with me the love of Christ. And I was just thinking about this week. And I remember just telling them, I need Jesus. They share with me the love, and I just remember just them walking with me through all along, and still to now, 
you know, yeah, I'm a pastor today, but they still, I, I look to them, you know, and, and, and if I look to them, how much more should you look to them? Amen. Um, you know, we're, we're not here for dishonest gain. Like the pastor is saying, you know, we're not here, you know, for money. We're not here for self-glorification. We're not here for any of that stuff. We're here to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? And to advance the kingdom of God and to see your, your, to see in your life, God fulfill his will. Amen. Like the scripture says, you know, do not be conformed with the pattern of this world, but be transformed. You know, then you'll be able to attest God's perfect will, his good and pleasing will. So if you have any of those thoughts right now that, hey, these, these leaders here are just, hip, you know, are, you know, not really true and be themselves. I want you to cancel those lies right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because God wants, God does not want any hindrance in this church for his spirit to flow through this place. Amen. And for him to be able to fulfill his um, um, fulfill his will in your life because he has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you. Amen. All right. For all, you know, um, you know, now I, I would like to share um, these next two points that I have for you guys. And I think as elders, you know, when I was preparing, I was, you know, thinking about, you know, you know, as elders and pastors, like, well, what is the thing that, that um, I can share with the body of Christ? What is it? You know, and I began to think about times where, whether we're, doing the one-on-one or mentoring or counseling somebody or receiving the late-night call or, you know, hanging out with somebody in fellowship, and then they bring up a concern, they bring up a need. They might, you know, whether you're, the person is feeling confused or doubting or, you know, you know getting lied to by their friends. or, And I, I just came to two points. And the two points that just really came, that I, they came to my mind, which is the root of, of these two points that I have, um, is that, that when a disciple struggles in their lives, there is a lack of the word of God in their lives that they don't study, and there's a lack of prayer. So that's why I put a, that's why my point three, it says identity. When you are in the word of God, you will understand your identity in Christ. I don't know if it's sometimes that we as disciples might get lazy or might get, you know, filled with, you know, being occupied with the things of this the, in, our, in our lives. But we have to prioritize the word of God. Amen. And then prayer time. When you spend time in prayer and devotionals, you build this intimacy with God. You begin to understand his voice. You begin to distinguish your own voice and the enemy's voice and be able to hear from God. Amen. And we're not saying, hey, you know, walk your own walk. We're here as elders and pastors to help you still. But we want what, 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 what my heart, as, as our heart as elders and pastors is to see you guys to continue to grow and mature, amen, and to that, that, that through the word of God, you can be able to identify yourself as the son of God, amen, as a child of the living God, amen. So I'm just going to read the points here, and, you know, if you don't know your identity in Christ, you're going you're gonna to be going valley high, you know, having some good peak times, valley low, and then back up, valley high, valley low, back up, and then it's gonna, you're going to be inconsistent. If you don't know your identity in Christ, you're going to feel defeated, you're going to feel discouraged, frustrated about life, and, you know, and if you're feeling that way, I want, I want tonight, to this morning, to be the last time that you put that in an end with, and you begin to confess the word of God in your life, amen, and um, so I just want to share here with you uh, my, my point on their identity, you know, the word of God, before I get there, is what's going to allow you to grow and build your faith. Your identity in Christ is so vital, okay, to know that that's what's going to build your strong in your faith 
And it's going to give you confidence to be able to walk a life of freedom and victory, right? And I just came up with this quote. I was preparing the message, and I want to share before I share the point. And I wrote, some of you are drinking spiritual milk because that's where you need to be. But others of you are drinking spiritual milk but should be eating solid food. And for some reason that came to my mind, I began to think about how, you know, there's times where a disciple is walking with God and they're drinking this spiritual milk. You know, they're taking from the Lord and his word and, you know, memorizing one verse and so forth and then growing into faith. Yeah, there are a few months or a year into salvation. And that's beautiful. That's perfect. But there are some of the disciples that are, that are walking with God and they're like a year or two or three into it. And they see others surpass them. They see and, and, and they should be eating solid food. They should be, you know, getting into that word, spending more time in prayer. They, but there's there's a lack of. There's a lack of that word, and there's a lack of that prayer time. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you know that I'm not, I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind, just to let you know, but I just felt to share this. And if you were to honest with yourself, you, that's you, that you need to be, you know, getting deeper into the word of God and stop lacking and, and reading the word. Please begin to do so, amen? All right, so I want to share the point here, identity. Know who you are. You are a son and daughter of God. And have access to all of heaven's glory to live free from the sin and past. Knowing and believing this is what makes you strong and humble. Accepting the new life God has given you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Our hearts as elders and pastors here to you is that you're born again. Your sin has been dealt with. The blood of the lamb has cleansed all your unrighteousness. You are a new creation in Christ. You're no longer a deceiver, a liar, a thief, a fornicator. You're no longer this mean, hating person. No, you have been made new. You are transformed. When you put your faith in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit came inside, you became a son and daughter of God. And I know Pastor Joel just hit on this. You know, uh, for the past few months, but I really feel the need to touch in it just a little bit more. You know, I, I was thinking about the worship time and the words that were coming forth. Man, they were beautiful. That's God speaking to us in the body. There is a need here that still needs to be developed and and and, and developed and get a hold of. Amen. And um, and I just want to uh, share what it says in Romans chapter eight, verses fourteen. And on forward, it says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Not if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Come on. Let me break down what heir stands for, what it means. When you're an heir in God, an heir in Christ Jesus, co-heir in Christ Jesus, that means that you have inherited salvation in heaven. That means that you as a son and daughter of God have legal rights to heaven. That's what do you think Jesus says? I have given you the keys to the kingdom to bind things on earth, to loose things from heaven. You have the legal rights to enter heaven. When, the city, when you're not a citizen of the United States of America, there are some, you know, you know, some things that you're not privileged to do, right? But when you become legal in this nation, there is a lot of privileges. What you have given, the, you have, God has given you through Christ Jesus some awesome privileges. 
That's why when he says that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, you have the privilege of the fruit of the Spirit to manifest to you, to access heaven by faith and believing simple as that. Believing, knowing that, hey, I have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. And through that, your relationship with your spouse will be better. And through that, you're going to see your family blossom and grow and, and just experience a great love of God in your in your relations at work, in your relationship with your siblings, even in the ministry, and even wherever you might be at. People will know that Christ is in you and the love of God is in you. And the scripture says, you know, that love, what is love? Kind. Love is patient. Love is not envious. Love is not recording any record of wrong. You know, love never fails and so forth. Love is trustworthy and so forth. That's you. You have that in you, guys. There is that. You're no longer anybody that you might think you used to be. You're not what you, the, the enemy might lie to you and tell you who you are. You're not your past. You are. A child of God, amen? You are what the word of God says you are. And um, I just want to uh, share with you also that, you know, there has been some people in, in, our, in this church, you know, that make themselves available to serve in the ministry. And, 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 it's, and I'm like, we're so happy that the body of Christ can be built up. You know, we as, as uh, you know, laborers in the church and the laborers here and serving the church are here to, like it says in Ephesians 4, to build you guys up, you know, to, uh, you know, equip you, you know, to teach you. You know, some of you here will be teachers. Some of you here will be prophets and pastors and evangelists and so forth. And we're here to uh, train you up and equip you in those ways. Amen. And uh, I want you guys to believe that, that there is a place that you have in this in this church uh, to accomplish that, that that certain call that God has given you in your in your life. And I want to go to a point number two. Um, my, my third point is intimacy with God. Like I said, you know, these two points came to my heart because just thinking about, you know, as elders and pastors, what are, what are the struggles that we see most people going through? You know, whether it's that there might be whatever you might, they might be dealing with. I came to like conclusions like if the word of God says the opposite. If they were, to, if they were in prayer, God would be speaking to them clearly about what's going on, you know. Um, intimacy with God it says, God, God longs to commune with you daily and speak to you. Don't be in ignorant of the power that is at work in you. You can enter the throne of grace to see change in your life. And I just finished talking about how, you know, we have access to heaven, right? We have the legal rights to enter heaven, right? Jesus calls us to remain in him. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. You know, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know, you, you have come to conclusion that already that you've been crucified in Christ Jesus, that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you, and the life that you live in your body, right? You live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved you and gave himself for you. See, that's, that's, that's done with you. You, you, it's time to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, amen? And put on that full armor of God and no longer, you know, live uh, as, 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 as a defeated person. And I'm not calling anybody by name. I just want to encourage us that there is more, amen? There is a lot more because the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he loves his bride. He loves us a lot and he has a lavish love for us. Like I said, you know, you have been forgiven. You've been washed and cleansed by all things. If somebody can come up to the keys. Um, you coming up to the guitar or the keys or Vinny, anybody? Amen. Perfect. Um, and I, I just want to uh, continue touching base on this about our intimacy with God. And I came up with also a, a saying here. Don't allow Sunday mornings to just be an experience and neglect your daily relationship with God. 
We can't just make it about Sundays. We can't just make it about, you know, the experience, the goosebumps. You know, God wants to meet you at your workplace. You know, God wants to meet you while you're driving. God wants to meet you at your, you know, at, at your home, in your bedroom. God wants to meet you at all places at all times. Amen. And, uh, you know, I just want to share this scripture. Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firm to the faith we confess. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weakness. Verse 16, I'm going to jump. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help us in a time of need. Guys, when the moment you close your eyes and you enter in prayer, you know, you, you have to believe and know that, hey, this is right here. This is this is going to be something happening. There's, there's a change taking place. Sometimes we become very ignorant of the power that we possess. And it's not, and it's, it's, it's no longer the time to be ignorant. God wants to do something in this church so powerfully. We have a vision. We have a goal that God has put in our hearts. 50 churches, 100,000 disciples. When a disciple is strong in the word of God, when a disciple is strong in prayer and at all times, praying without ceasing, man, you'll be bringing people into church. You'll be evangelizing. You'll be, you, you'll be, you'll be like just wanting to preach the gospel to everybody you see. You know, you'll be, everybody will be up in this altar worshiping God because you have already prepared yourself throughout the week in prayer and the word. That's why some of you are here just worshiping, loving, and crying and weeping because you've been praying. You've been in the word and others are not. But God wants those that are not to begin to become a solid, strong disciple in the word and in prayer. You know, so uh, if we can please stand and I would like to call Pastor Joe. want to read our closing statement these these are the things that are in our hearts that God has given us as elders and pastors for you I just want to encourage you to live a life that is faithful to the call of God letting nothing move you and embrace your identity in Christ as you go deeper in your relationship with him amen amen let's give it up for the Bertsky and Grizz Amen. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to ask just today that our elders would just come forward, pastoral and governing. Every elder here, I've asked Ricky to come from security, and we really just want to pray for you today. Deacons, if you need us to pray for you, we want to pray for you. Visitor, if you're the first time here, trust me, you want these guys to pray for you. If you've been coming around a while, you guys got to scoot down a little bit. You all bunched up over there. We got a big elder come up there. Amen. Because here's the thing. We're here to shepherd, to love, to care, to help you be the best that you can be. Coming from the sound booth. Let's give it up for uh, Drewski right here. Come on. Amen. Let's get Robin from the back. I know Salvador, he's been helping us with maintenance. Can we give it up for Salvador? He's always helping out. Things that you don't even know this. I want to cry. Dude, why am I so emotional right now? Like, why is this series just made me emotional? This brother has been with us since our first service. Seriously, he's never left. He's been with us. And when you come here and there's a clean sidewalk for you to walk on, that's because he's probably shoveled it or the team he's led up. If you've ever been in a clean bathroom, it's because he was there. If you've ever been able to see the signs, it's because he cleans the windows. Isn't that so awesome? 
Let's get Robbie Rob, too, because she's in the back with the nursery. If you don't see Robbie Rob with 10 children, she's not doing what she loves. She's going to find 10 ninos and ninas just to hold on her. You guys already got three. They're going backwards from the gospel. So their firstborn was John. The next one was Luke. Now they got Marky Mark. Matthew's on the way, but I know you guys want a girl, so what would you call her, like? Matea, there you go. <laughs> oh, there's Rachie Rach, one of our worship leaders. Give it up for Rachie Rach. Ricky and Rachel, some of the best people you'll ever meet. Today, opening up their homes for married couples, offering childcare, hors d'oeuvres, something to eat. Go and see them. I'm telling you, so many good people up here. So many good ones. We just want to pray for you. We just want to love you. We want to help you in your journey. Can we do that? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Band, would you come? Father, we thank you today for uh, the service. We thank you for the word that was brought forth. Lord, I was sitting in the back, and I noticed it was awfully quiet today. But, Lord, you told me that was a good thing because your people were really taking it in. They were hearing it and taking it serious. So now, Lord, I pray that we would all examine our hearts and to be honest with ourselves. And if there's any of these areas that have been brought up or if they touched on something that made another area come to light, that, Lord, we would all receive prayer today. We would all come forth with repentance. And then we would live it out, not just coming up to repent, say how sorry we are, but, God, we would live it out now that we would actually have changed lives. And, and, Lord, I just ask right now for the next 30 seconds for you to show us our hearts. If there's anyone here today, you're struggling with your identity, come on, we're going to pray for you in just a minute. Let God show you that. 30 seconds, I'm asking God to reveal his heart to you. If you're struggling with intimacy, if you've been having trouble with the things that Griselda talked about, today's your day. Be free. Be a person of integrity. You can change. God has already given you the power to change. You can live it out. Today, you want to be faithful? You're tired of quitting? You're tired of hopping around? Come up to one of these leaders and say, disciple me, man. You know, I want to be changed. Start today. Go out with lunch with them. You know, I mean, you could be faithful right now. Fifteen more seconds. If you came here as a married couple and you want us to pray for your family or maybe uh, you're separated and you're by yourself today, whatever you're going through in your family or your children, bring them up. Come by yourself. I mean, we want to pray for families today. Lord willing, next week I'm going to do a whole series on families, but don't wait till then. Come up. Five more seconds. Look at your heart. Who are you right now? Can the elders pray for you? Can the elders encourage you today? Father, I thank you. You've shown us who we are. The word is convicting us. And now as we get ready to dismiss, I pray that we will hear your heart through this and live it out every day in Jesus' name. Can you say amen if you believe it? Amen. Can you give him one more hand clap of praise because God is worthy. It's his heart. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, I love you, man. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you would like prayer, come up now for anything, and we'll love to pray for you. Otherwise, have a great week. Be safe out there. It snowed a little bit. But I know y'all can handle it. This is Chicago, man. God bless you. Come up and worship if you want to. Come on, take this there. Sing it out, baby. Woo! Let these elders pray for you if you want to hang out for the after party. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, God. Bless your people, God. Bless them, Jesus. You have won the victory. Oh, yes. Hallelujah.
you put up the words, Elliot? Thank you. Yes, if you want to worship, worship in the after party. God is here today. Just sing it out today. We're not in a hurry if you're not. You are the reason. If you're worshiping or praying in this place, let us sing that together. God is in your situation. That means you're victorious today. Come on, he said he's seating you with him in heavenly places. Let's sing it again one more time. Death could not hold you down. That means there's nothing in my life that can hold you back, God. Nothing. You are the risen You are the risen king. king. You're the king over my marriage, over my finances, you're over this community. Majesty. You're in glory. Hallelujah. You are the risen king. Come on, powerful what you're doing up here right now encouraging 